Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. As you listen to this broadcast today in your locality, whether on the radio or through the internet, we hope that the Word of God, the Bible, is readily available in your language, and that indeed you have one to call your own. But sadly, it's not the case in many parts of the world. As you know, the main way that God speaks to us is through His Word, the Bible. So if you want to hear what God has to say, well, read the Bible. It's the most enduring book ever written. But there are many other ways that God can communicate himself to man. Evangelist Mr. Gaius Goff takes up some of these ways in our gospel message today. One of these ways is in creation itself, the beauty and the order of the universe and world around us. Another way is through his goodness, those good things in your life for which you feel a sense of thankfulness to the giver. And then, of course, there's conscience. Yes, we all have one and it comes pre-installed in every human being. Mr. Goff touches on other ways, but these three are the main ones taken up in today's message. We hope that it will be a help to you in understanding that God has an interest in you. Now tonight we're going to Romans, and this is the teaching of God's salvation in the book of Romans. Actually, it's interesting that the days that this book of the Bible was written were an awful lot like our time now. The problem was then that there was a little small percentage of the world controlling all the economics and the politics and the social life, and, and people were involved in immorality at an unprecedented rate. seemed to be getting worse, and there was rampant materialism, and families were breaking up back in even those Bible times. There was graft and, and hypocrisy, religious hypocrisy, and people were manipulating each other. Only a few people around were Christians. Is there such a thing as anybody doing what's right in a world that's wrong? Is there any hope that there could be a change in the lives of people in this country, and, and particularly in this place? Is there any change, any possible hope? that there could be some light that would glimmer from this place besides light through that front window. Well, that's what we have here. If we were to read in chapter 1, we would find that the man who wrote it said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So he had no shame of Christ, and he didn't believe in any salvation in any other name than Christ. He made sure that there was no claim that he had but Christ. But sometimes people don't read the Bible. And so if you don't read the Bible, how do you suppose God's going to talk to you? And some people say, well, I don't, I find it too hard to read. So I'm going to point out to you tonight, right here in the book of Romans, some of the ways that God speaks without words. So even if you don't know how to read the Bible and all those big words in there, God does speak to people without using words. Now I'm going to read them to you, but you can think about them. 
Romans chapter 1, first of all, just down the page from where we quoted. And I'm going to read from verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So how does God speak without words to tell you about himself? He does it in creation. One of the ways that God speaks to people, doesn't use words, but he lets us see. Okay, just over in chapter 2 and verse 4. Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So the first way that God speaks without words is in creation. And in the second way that God speaks without words is the good things that happen to you. Anybody here didn't have any good thing that happened today? Most of us have had pretty good days, right? And the thing about it is, is that it doesn't necessarily stop. It goes on and on and on. Turn over a little further down in that chapter, and we'll find another way that God speaks without words. And this is verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law... These having not the law are a law to themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So we've read of three things here. Now I'm going to give you three more that we won't read, but there's three things here, ways that God speaks to us without words. The first one, he speaks to us to tell him about himself in creation. The second one, he speaks to us to tell us about his grace in the good things that happened to us. The third way he is, he speaks to us in our own conscience to tell us about our sin. And if we went on a little bit further in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he speaks without words on Sunday morning, whenever you go to a place where they have the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, to remind us of Christ, it says we show the Lord's death. So there's a way that we testify without words about the cross where Jesus died. And then if we were to read in the book of First Peter, we would read one of the ways that God speaks without words is through Christians that you know. You watch the way they live. And then there's a sixth way back in the Old Testament, and it says that God will sometimes even speak by dreams and visions and strong pain. So God is not going to let you away because you don't bother to read the Bible. You are still obligated to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I hope you understand that. In the first chapter here of Romans, He's telling bad people why they need to be saved. In chapter 2, he tells good people why they too need to be saved. 
In chapter 3, he tells everybody why they need to be saved. Because the Bible makes it clear. There is a God with whom you and I have to do. Down the road, beyond death day, there will be a time when everybody here will look at God. They'll see Jesus with their eyes. If you know him and come to know him here in this lifetime, you won't have to be afraid. But if you don't know him before you die, you will be afraid after. There is no time way off in the sky where there's a great big scales where our good deeds are put on one side and our bad deeds are on the other to find out whether we go to heaven or not. That's all done here and now while we're alive. And so we can't bother to measure ourselves with other people. We have to take a look and say, is there really a God who knows me? And the Bible makes it clear. So how can you know about him? Well, I looked at these. These aren't alive. They kind of look like they're alive, but I saw a real plant today just like that in the backyard of where we're staying. And it's the real thing. And there is a difference. There's a big difference because the one is growing. It's alive. Doesn't stay of the same size all the time. It's a evidence of God. I have a granddaughter, not our youngest, but our newest. I'll let you figure out how that works. Our newest granddaughter came one day. I, I met her. Uh, she came into our home. She was at eight years old when I met her. And I uh, said to her, I said, I'm glad to see you, my love. Now I said, the first thing we got to size up is how are we going to talk to each other? What are you going to call me? But I said, before that happens, I'm going to ask you how you want me to call you. Her name is Gabriella. So I said, do you want me to say every time I see you, Hello, Gabriella, or hello, Gabby, or hello, Gab. And she kind of whispered, she says, call me Gabby. I said, so Gabby it is. Now I said, what can you call me? Now I said, you can call me Mr. Goff, or you can call me Grandpa, but you can't call me Gaius because you're too young. So I said, you can call me either Grandpa, I'll call you Grandpa. I said, that's just fine. And I said, you know what Grandpas do? Why God leaves Grandpas in the world? It's to tell grandchildren about God. She said, really? I said, oh, yeah, I read it in the Bible. Lots of places in the Bible. That's what grandpas are. That's our big job when we get grandchildren is to tell them about God. So I said, here's where we'll start. You and I will go out in the backyard. We had some rose bushes out there, and we had the first rose of the year was out. And I took her out there, and I said, now, Gabby, I'm going to cut this rose off, and I'm going to give it to you, but i got to give you a grandpa lesson first. So I said, now. Tell me what you see. Well, she said, I see a rose. No, I said, but what do you actually see? Well, I see a red rose. So I said, you see color, red. Yeah. What else do you see? And she kind of picked it up. She said, well, there's green leaves there. I said, yeah. What else do you see? Well, she said, there's a green stem come up, and then there's thorns on it. And I said, keep looking. What else do you see? Well, she said, there's dirt down the bottom. I said, put your nose over and make a sniff. And she did. Boy, she said, it smells nice. I said, so you can see red and green and leaves and thorns. And I said, you know what's in that stick that's coming up out of the ground? There's water. There it was coming straight up. And I said, you know what's happening down in the ground? 
There's little things no bigger than a thread on your coat. And it's spread out to the ground and they're bringing in water. And I said, how do you suppose that those little strings in the ground bring in water, they bring in the color red, they bring in the color green, they bring in leaves, they bring in thorns, they pick up the perfume on the way and it all goes up this pipe straight up and comes out and makes a beautiful flower. Now I said, how in the world could that ever happen? She says, well, I don't know. She said, I, I never thought about that. I said, see that big tree over there? That's a big tree about this big. I said, there's 200 gallons of water every day goes straight up that tree. Now, how can that happen? I don't know, Grandpa. I said, I want you to think. Look around you. There's lots of things around us that we can't know unless somebody bigger and wiser and smarter and has more ability than all of us put together can make it. Because I said, the only way I can make water go up is pump it up or throw it up, but it would come back down in my head. But I said, this comes out like flowers. She said, and I said, Gabby, God does that. Now, she didn't come from a very nice home before she came to our place or to my daughter's place. She came from a place where her father pushed drugs and her mother took them and took alcohol and all the rest. And she looked around, she said, I said, that's right. God did all of this. And do you know why he did all of this? So that you would believe in him. He didn't have to have all this around him. God doesn't need to eat anything. But he put all this around here for you and me. Have you older folks ever thought about that? Have you ever stopped and thanked God for who he is? See, there is a God who rules in this universe. And he keeps us from going out too far from the sun. If we were another 15 miles off, we'd all be froze. Or if we were closer 15 miles to the sun, we'd all be fried. And so here we are in the right place going at 66,000 miles an hour. And when none of us are falling off and all this stuff is growing, God does that so that you will know that God is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So, do you believe in God? A real God. A God who knows you by your name. A God who holds your breath in his hand. A God who keeps you alive and a God who wants you to really believe in him. Do you? That's one of his ways of speaking without words. Creation. When I start to think about all the things that I'm thankful, I think about in the Bible it says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. We read that the good things that happen leads people to stop. So you've had a good meal. I had breakfast. And before we ate it, we stopped. That's what you do when you repent. You're going like this and you stop. We stop to give thanks to God. Have you yet stopped today? Called a halt in your life? Looked ahead and saw all the good things that were before you? And looked behind and saw all the good things that happened? Did it cause you to stop and turn from sin to turn to God who does all these good things for you? Those good things shows us 
that God loves people like you and I. And he gives us all kinds of things to be thankful for. Why would we stop a whole day for a country and call it Thanksgiving Day because of the goodness of God? And on that day, the people I hope that are in this room will stop, but who are you going to give thanks to? The people that you love in your life? Well, yes. And God has given good things. So they would not go on and forget God, but that they would stop and turn from sin and turn to God and Christ for salvation. This big farmer, he had a potato farm, and he was a good farmer. He had one of these big John Deere tractors, and he had this big field, and oh, what a beautiful field. And I asked him, I said, as he told me about his big crop the year before, and planting all of these potatoes, and how good it was. And he said, you know, I really believe God's been good to me. I said, are you, are you a born-again Christian? He said, no. I said, do you know about the gospel? Why, Mr. Goff, I've been going to the gospel for 40 years. I said, you've been listening to the gospel for 40 years, and you're not a Christian? You've never come to Christ and accepted forgiveness that he gives? Maybe I'm talking to somebody here 40 years old, and you've been breathing God's air? eating food that God creates to grow and feed you, being blessed by God, and you've never stopped to acknowledge that you owe everything to him? I told the man, I said, you know, it's men like you that kind of make me sick. Oh, I didn't know what he was going to hit me. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, if God has been that good, why aren't you down here on your knees giving thanks to God for giving you all these good things and for his son and his salvation and his grace? in keeping you alive for 40 years, walking with your back to God. Oh, he said, I want God to save me. I said, well, what more do you want God to do than what he's already done? Hasn't God sent his son Jesus from heaven to die for you on the cross? Hasn't Christ already come and suffered for our sins to bring us to God? Well, he said, yeah. I said, well, now listen. If God has done everything that needs to be done that you could be saved, why haven't you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And he kind of shrugged his shoulders like he didn't know. I said, well, I'll tell you what some people are looking for. They're looking for some kind of a feeling to come over, like a rush, or a flash of light on the wall, or, or some kind of tingling sensation in the back of your legs like you would get when you look over the edge of the cliff at Grand Canyon, and look straight down one mile. It makes me feel kind of tingly back here, and my stomach gets, you know, and I ease back. That's what a lot of people would like to think makes them saved. It's not your feelings at all. It's when you recognize the goodness of God and give thanks to him for the Lord Jesus who died for your sins. There's one more thing I'm going to mention before I sit down, and that's your conscience. You know when you lie. You know when you've done something wrong. You know when you should be punished and you got away with it. Old people know it just the same as the youngsters. And hopefully we old people have better sense that we don't go on against our conscience. We expect a lot from our children. How about from us? Do you know that your conscience that convicts you because of your sin whether it's lying or adultery or cheating on your income tax or taking government money or 
taking it from somebody else, or backbiting somebody that you don't like, or any of those kind of things that people do, your conscience says, I'm wrong. It's one of the ways God talks without words. To make you face your sin and stop and turn from that to Christ. There's a man and his nephew were out fishing on the ice one winter. The boy liked to go with his uncle. They were fishing in one of the ponds there. And they cut a few holes and they had their fishing lines down in the holes. And the uncle said to his nephew, he said, I'm going to the car and get a thermos bottle of hot chocolate and just watch watch the lines to see if there's any fish bite. And he said, look out for the axe. Don't knock it in the hole. And so this young fella, about 10 or 12 years old, was going around looking at the different holes. They were scattered around the place, probably almost as big as this room. And sure enough, wouldn't you know, one of the times he made a turn, he hit that axe and knocked it right into that hole. And his uncle came back with a thermos of hot chocolate, and he was pouring it out, and they were sitting having their hot chocolate watching the lines. And and, uh, the uncle said, where's the axe? And he said, "Um, I don't know. And uncle's no kind of little bit pretty good, you know. And he looked at him and said, you know, I've knocked an axe down the hole before. But he said, the water's not deep here. And he said, uh, you know, an axe handle, it's got a wooden handle, and it'll kind of float like that. And he said, all I have to do to get that axe out, if you happen to kick it in a hole, is put a, a loop around a line and put it down in, and I can probably fish it out. No, he said, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't knock it in the hole. And you know, when the man told me that story, he was 72 years old, and it still bothered him. We got a conscience. Could you imagine standing before Jesus? And he says, why didn't you believe on me? And in your conscience, you'll know. I wanted something else. I thought fun was more important. I want to be friends with everybody. I knew that if I was a Christian, I'd have to change my lifestyle. And so you live and die and meet Jesus with a bad conscience. But God does speak without words. And he's saying to you tonight, come to me and I'll forgive you. Well, you can see that all of us, no matter where we find ourselves, have in some measure heard the voice of God to our hearts, the awesomeness and complexity of nature, the good times and circumstances in our lives that just make us so thankful, and the moral compass that we have implanted within us. The alarm goes off when we know that we have done something wrong, or that assurance that affirms us when we have done something right. But don't leave your knowledge of God there. Pick up the Bible today and read something more specific of what God wants you to know. Read such beautiful verses as Christ died for the ungodly or Christ came into the world to save sinners and come to know the Savior who longs to reveal himself in an even fuller way to you. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls.
Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.